The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have you ever suffered from headaches, joint pain, TMJ? Are you intuitively porous or sensitive after that family dinner? You go home the next day, you're achy, pain in your joints, tired. If you're one of those people who's an empath and has pain in a lot of different areas of your body, today's your day because we're going to discuss what are your intuitive pain triggers. In today's world, it's very common to see people to go to the orthopedic surgeon for that hip pain or that knee problem, to go to the chiropractor for that back that keeps going out, or to go to the dentist for yet another look or x-ray for that area in your jaw that seems to hurt. Is it TMJ? Is it an infection that's not cleared up in that area where you had the surgery, the bridge? Today's show is going to change your life because it's going to teach you that every illness, every pain is always in part due to diet, genetics, injury, viruses, and so on. But every illness, like pain, has an intuitive message underlying it. And to heal, we need to address all levels of the pain. If you want to know more about the solutions to today's show, you want to use my latest book, All is Well with Louise Hay or Heal Your Mind. If you want to know about how to get a mini reading on this show, go to call the following number, 816-255-255. 816-251-3555 during this show. And remember, Unity Online Radio is live, live every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. But join me on the pre-show on Facebook Live 30 minutes earlier, the Dr. Mona Lisa 
fan page. Can't listen live? Listen on the podcast, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. What are intuitive pain triggers? So, there are lots of ways in which we can have pain. And there are lots of ways in which our body can communicate it. For one, intuition is like a dot, uh, the board in our car, the dashboard. It's a bunch of warning signs that light up and let us know that something needs to be attended to. So if we have a twinge in our chest, a lot of times that may signal we need to go to a doctor or emergency room that we might need to check, not the oil, as the car might say, but the heart. If we are in a restaurant and we eat something and all of a sudden we can't breathe, we can't get enough air, we'll turn blue, we'll feel short of breath and it will feel like a choking and that's pain. That's our body letting us know we're not getting enough oxygen. All these, like the dashboard in our car, tell us when we're not getting something critical. Similarly, every pain has a, some, a symbol in our life that tells us we're not getting enough of something else. I talk about my Facebook Live, Jung. Jung talked about how in our life, in the environment, there are symbols that we have. Symbols communicate us through dreams, through nature, and they let us know what we need to understand about our life. You will look at your dreams, you may remember them or not, and they will have a bunch of symbols in them. Dreams are a communication with our psyche. Let us know how to solve problems in our life. Similarly, our bodies will let us know through signs of pain that something is going on. Now, you might say, well, you know, do we really have to have pain? If we don't, it's really dangerous. Every once in a while, you get a kid who's born with a disease in which they feel no pain. It's very dangerous because the pain is a sign that you're being injured hurt and it teaches you how to protect yourself frequently pain is acquired with anger because no one likes or loves or has joy about being in pain in fact if you're hurt you'll go ow that hurts people who are numb to emotional pain frequently have a history of trauma their brains are altered And it tells you a little bit about how we process pain or if we're changed by tragedy or trauma, we numb ourselves or that's what happens as a result. Our brains and bodies are numbed and we don't feel it at times. And we may find ourselves in circumstances in which we're in dangerous environments with dangerous people who are like who we were injured with. And in fact, we get re-injured. Similarly, like that person, the kid, 
who's born with that disorder where they can't feel pain, it's very dangerous. They can walk on tacks, sticks, glass, and they can get infections and injury in their body. It's very common to have someone with diabetes that they have an injury to the nerves in their feet, peripheral neuropathy. As a result, they can walk on all kinds of stuff and get cuts and then infections and end up losing their feet. I had a back problem, a spinal cord injury, and I, you don't know when you're numb, when you don't feel pain. So I would walk across the floor in the living room and I'd slip and I didn't know why I was slipping and I would hear this metal sound and I looked in the bottom of my foot, which was numb, of course, and there was a tack sticking in it, a tack, like a nail, and I picked it out, didn't feel it at all, which is really dangerous. It can get infected. So the idea, I don't want to feel pain, though it would be convenient, doesn't work. It saves us. So there is an important thing to look at for the function of pain. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, then we have to listen to the message so we can attend to it so it can go away. Yesterday, I don't know what was going on in this house. Someone hacked into my phone lines. The electricity keeps going out. Bulbs keep burning. I mean, the, the place is spooked. Some, similarly, the cats got spooked, and they jumped on one of the side tables and broke a plane of glass, I, and it went all over the floor. Glass everywhere. And it was kind of an inconvenience to clean it all up before my first reading. So I probably didn't do a very good job. And I felt, I, I can feel now in my feet a little bit. I felt a little piece, a shot, something in my foot. And I went, ah, you know, it's probably nothing. <laughs> That's stupid. That's what we do when we first feel the first intuitive pangs of something's wrong in a marriage, a relationship, a child, a job. We go, ah, it's probably nothing. We wince, oh, I got a bad feeling. Mm, I I smelled something bad. Oh, I taste something bad. I felt my stomach twist a little bit. I felt a twang in my back over that, and so on and so on. I felt something crawl under my skin. I felt the hair stand up in the back of my neck. All of these are mini pains. Mini, that person is intuitively triggering us. Just like stepping on a little thing in my sock, I thought, eh, that's probably nothing. And I decided to go for a walk a half an hour up the hill and down the hill on that. Who knows if that was glass? Who cared? <laughs> it was stupid. Stupid. The thing is, is you numb yourself to it. That's the first area in the brain that helps us regulate pain. The frontal lobe is the sensor. The original sensors that we remember were during the Ed Sullivan show. When Elvis Presley was on there and he was dancing and he was doing this pelvic thrusting, I don't know if you call it pelvic thrusting, but it was definitely some kind of movement in the pelvis. The TV people did not like it. They thought that teenagers could not handle it, even though they were shrieking, they obviously could see Elvis Presley. So they only showed Elvis, they censored him from the neck up. 
because they didn't want people to feel. They numbed them. Didn't matter anyway, the people were screaming. The point of the matter is, is we numb ourselves to certain pains because they're inconvenience. They make our lives just feel a little bit of out of control. So we hermetically seal them away, and we do that with an area of our brain called the frontal lobe. It has estrogen and progesterone sensors on it. And so, during our 20s, 30s, and 40s, we're more able as women to keep emotional and physical pain at bay in the first half of our cycle. But then when progesterone and estrogen start to go down, we get more moody, irritable, less emotionally censored, and we're more likely to have symptoms of that health problem that is your type of pain. Whether it's digestion, joint pain, back pain, headaches, your pain du jour that you tend to get. And then once the period is over with, we're done. PMS used to be a variety, named by a variety of symptoms that were your kind of syndrome that got worse premenstrually. And that's because these inflammatory mediators, IL-1, IL-6, TNF-alpha, and cytokines, they kind of got out of balance before you got your period. But then once your period stopped, back to the quiet place, and everything was lovely, and we were not triggered. Only to proceed again the next month after you ovulate, your hormone levels go down, your frontal lobe sensor doesn't work as well, and you're more likely to feel emotional and physical pain. Once you go through perimenopause, progesterone and estrogen goes down. For some people, progesterone more. Progesterone is very important because it is a mood stabilizer and it helps stabilize nerves, namely peripheral neuropathy. So if you have old injuries in muscles, bones, there's always a nerve around there somewhere. Around perimenopause, you're more likely to get to revisit those injuries. And a lot of women and men around those hormonally charged times start to get small um, nerve neuropathy. I can't remember the name of it. Only reason why I know this is I took progesterone at midlife, and there were areas of dense numbness from nerve injury. And I used to apply the progesterone to those areas just to absorb progesterone because you, you, you can use a bioidentical cream. And after a while, in areas that were previously completely numb, you could stick a needle in there, an acupuncture needle. I wouldn't even know you were putting a needle in. I'm like, when are you going to needle me? Anytime now. And they're like, we're done. You didn't feel any of that? Nope. Once I started taking progesterone, I started feeling in those locations. I'd go, ow! Did you just put a needle in there? Yeah, you never felt that before. Nope. And I called the pharmacist and he said, and he laughed. Progesterone hormones help with recovery from nerve, two millimeters a year. So 
pain and hormones are associated with each other. And pain can get worse when hormones go down. So that's the second thing. The third thing are opiates. How much do you feel rewarded in your life? This is important because I just heard this on the news. The recent COVID epidemic, over 100,000 people overdosed on oxycodone, which apparently is a record. Psychiatric problems skyrocketed over COVID, I think maybe because people felt isolated from each other. Close emotional bonds regulate our emotions and our physical body's function. And if you are isolated from other people, your pain gets worse. If you are divorced from other people, not just divorced like the opposite of marriage, divorced as in separated, as in loner, your opiate levels go down, you might have more depression, serotonin, and dopamine, and you're more likely to feel pain more. They call this your pain threshold has gone down. So a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, you're depressed. This may be depression. That's so ridiculous because it's saying what came first, the chicken or the egg? And the brain and the body, when it comes to pain, the impulse occurs simultaneously because the neurotransmitter, the molecule for mood, is the same molecule for pain. So think about it. When you feel pain, it creates sadness. And when you feel sadness, it creates pain in your body. They're one and the same. And when you feel dejected, hurt, you can feel a twinge in your chest, heartache. And in fact, they show that heartache can literally affect your heart. That emotional pain, that intuitive trigger of being separated from a loved one, literally changes the biochemistry of epinephrine and cortisol and it changes how the left side of your heart the wall of your left side of your heart moves and that's called yakawayaki it's called the anatomy of heartache i knew how to say it before i got on this show and now i can't say it after I get off this show, I'll be saying it all night long to the cats. Takayabu cardiomyopathy. There, I said it. See, it's like baggage claim. You just have to wait for the bag to come around the road or the thing again. Takayabu cardiomyopathy. Takayabu. What does takayabu mean? Well, takayabu is this urn that's dilated. 
and it's an urn that's dilated that I think they use to collect eels or some kind of fish in Japan. And that's literally what happens to your heart. It looks dilated on the left side. The left side is what pumps blood to the body. But in Takayabu cardiomyopathy, it gets dilated. And usually it happens in women. Women who are prone to anxiety, which is drives me crazy. Because a lot of women go to the ER and they say, you know, I'm feeling this chest pain. I'm feeling shortness of breath. The EKG is, you know, normal. And they send them home with, you know, benzodiazepine. And they're like, well, you know, I got this pain in my chest. And because it's not typical chest pain, jaw pain, numbness in the shoulder, they say it's depression and anxiety. They call them, they send them home. That would be stupid. <laughs> because a friend of mine had that. And she actually got in a fight with the nurse because she had this three times. Each time her EKG was normal. So the last time she got in a fight with the nurse and some well-meaning orderly or something ordered cardiac enzymes, which would be abnormal when you get a heart attack. And in fact, hers were mildly elevated. It meant that this thing got so bad that the oxygen was cut off from parts of her heart and she actually, some of it died. Suffice it to say, you don't want to walk around like this. If you get these kind of symptoms, you need to go to a heart center that understands symptoms of women. Taka, T-A-K-A, Yabu, Y-A-B-U, cardiomyopathy. The anatomy of heartache. Heartache. Yes, an organ in you can ache. There are different types of pain. Our muscles, our joints, we can say it stabs, it's twisting, writhing. But our visceral organs like our stomach, our heart, those are called visceral. And you cannot really say specifically where the pain is um, because it's the way our brain is organized. And often it gets referred pain, which is why often men, but some women, when they get a heart attack or angina, the pain will be referred to their jaw, their jaw or their shoulder or one arm. It's called referred pain. Because organs like the gallbladder and so on, don't you don't get a pain in the gallbladder. You get it referred meaning it goes somewhere else your body like behind your back to your trunk area that's the standard um gallbladder pain suffice it to say that's why with women heartache can occur anywhere from the neck all the way down to the pelvis and it can occur after the loss of a loved one is that to say that a man that doesn't happen of course it happens. It just looks different because traditional men and traditional women, and there's a tipia in between, yes, there is, are wired differently anatomically. And yes, there is a continuum and gender or sex, whatever word you want to use. So you have to find your unique wiring in your brain and body for pain. 
You have to find out what this pain means for you. When you get this pain in your jaw, what does that mean? When you get this pain in your chest, does this mean it's your heart? Does this mean it means someone in your life is out of control? What does this mean? So you have to know what is triggering the pain because you can end up chasing symptoms, getting scans till the calves come home, fixing organs only to have them fall out again or have problems because you don't know the meaning behind the message behind the pain. So a classic example would be, I remember this woman and she would get bladder infections, but she only got bladder infections when her husband was having an affair. Fascinating. Because her, and it would be painful. If you've ever had a bladder infection, it's like someone's kicking you in the vulva. It's it's just not a good feeling. You don't think, you know, today I'd like to have a nice kick in the vulva. It just isn't what you'd want. Suffice it to say, first time it happened, she got antibiotics, and then she found out the guy was having an affair. She fixes it. And then she gets an infection. She doesn't know why. She fixes it again, and she finds out he's having an affair. Years later, things are kind of good. And then, I think a decade later, she gets an infection again. This is why we don't want to listen to intuition. We have that frontal lobe filter. Because we have to look at what we'd have to change. So she wanted to look at the pH of her food. She wanted to look at how acidic she was in her body. She wanted to look at her hormones. Because you know hormones can affect the bladder neck. She wanted to look at all kinds of things. However, she didn't want to look at the classic intuitive trigger that was her unique language of intuition in her body. Is that to say that her husband causes her bladder infections? Hell no. That isn't it at all. What it is to say is that her bladder, her brain and body's chemistry was uniquely sensitized to have this problem when there was a stressor in a relationship. There's my music and you know what that means. When we come back, We're going to talk more about the intuitive triggers of pain. You're listening to Healthy Living Intuitively. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. 
Welcome back. Today's show has been dedicated to solving the problem of what are your intuitive pain triggers. We've learned that we don't cause pain. Pain can be due to an injury, due to the inflammatory mediators that released from our white cells, our blood, during infection, allergy, autoimmune disease. But every illness can be provoked by something intuitively in our environment that's out of balance. You could be well treated from some illness, but if something in your life is out of balance, then it could trigger you and what's treating you that worked could stop working. And you go, son of a gun. And so it's important to know what are the pain triggers. You might go to someone and they'll say, you know, you need to stop the wheat and the dairy and all that other stuff. Those are dietary intolerances. But you need to know what the people are in your life, someone in the family, intimate relationship, financial situation, work environment, parent or child. You need to know that how those that person thinks, acts, how they feel, and how if you're intuitively keyed into them, they may trigger a health problem that was previously well treated. And if you learn how you are intuitively wired, you could stay better longer, respond to treatment better, and then use that intuitive ability or avocation or calling. So one of the things that we can do is look at the health problem we have. So for example, say you had chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. We know that there is a connection between that an Epstein-Barr virus. There are a lot of people in the United States of the world who have Epstein-Barr virus. You have to ask, why are certain people more susceptible to having the virus active and activated in other people's immune system, natural killer cells, T-suppressor cells, able to sequester the virus and hide it. Similar is herpes zoster, chickenpox. When you get chickenpox as a kid, you develop immunity and the virus gets tucked in your nervous system, your spinal cord specifically. However, you can get intuitively triggered by a loss of a loved one, a loss of a family member, or something else. What happens? When that happens, grief, heartache, yes, heartache, occurs. Your serotonin and dopamine go down. Your adrenal gland produces cortisol, which is like taking steroids. It makes you immunocompromised. That's a similar mechanism for many people who get a bug 
bacteria, virus, whatever, that other people in an environment have, whether it's Epstein-Barr, um, chickenpox, staph, strep, have chronic Lyme or any of the other associated infections, co-infections. If you have elevated steroids, you become immunocompromised, not exactly, but kind of like AIDS. And as a result, the bacteria virus stays activated. And it releases toxins that your immune system tries to eliminate. But it doesn't, and it hurts, and makes you exhausted. And your immune system tries to kill it. And when it does, your immune system releases inflammatory mediators, and that hurts as well. So we have to look at first center in medical intuition. This has to do with families that make us feel safe and secure and give us a sense of belonging. And when someone has chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, Um, the chickenpox virus, shingles, you have to look at, or chronic Lyme, you have to look at the number of people, like the number of white cells, the number of people, the sense of safety and security you feel, whether it's among a group of people at work, among a group of people in the family, or how do you feel intuitively about the safety of someone in your family. If you feel they're under threat, that becomes memorialized in the fight, the sense of threat within your body between bacteria and white cell, between your tissue and the invading bacteria, virus, or Lyme, or whatever. And as a result, your pain in your body is an innocent bystander. Our bodies are built so that when staff or strap or Lyme come in, our white cells come in, like the fire department, kill it, police the area, take away the debris, and so is the days of our lives. Interestingly, symbolically, recently, so you're going to do the reading on me. So after six months of struggling with my spine, I finally get my entire, the rest of my spine fused from C2 all the way down. So it's like rebuilding your house from the foundation up, okay? But it was extremely traumatizing. Not to mention the concussion I got in the plane on the way there. It was extremely traumatizing. So I come back. And I noticed that where I live on the first floor, which is damp, smells like mold. And years ago, I put a rug down. I didn't put a rug down. He told me to put a rug there. Never had a problem. But this time, for whatever reason, it felt damp. And all within the next several weeks, as I'm repairing, and I get an infection in my neck, cellulitis, my rug gets an infection. It becomes symbolic. Jung, for what's going on with me. Never had this problem before. 
I have a dehumidifier. I have all kinds of stuff. Doesn't matter. I've owned this house for 20 years. We've had all kinds of things, floods, hurricanes. It doesn't matter. The time that I get a tissue infection, my floor gets a tissue infection. So now I have this rug, like my skin was, that's infected. So I had to have antibiotics because it ripped open the incision. It's called wound dehiscence. We're not going to get into that, but I can't even begin to tell you how painful it was. So now I got this rug on this floor, and I have to rip it up. And it's painful because whenever I go into my office, I can only be here for 10 minutes. It's painful. It gives me a headache. It makes me cry. It makes me labile. It's all the things that happen when you have a first center problem. Bones, joints, skin, immune system. When your sense of safety and security is shaken up in the world, you will feel weepy, tired, achy, and you feel like you've lost your emotional footing. If this happens at work, it happens at home, with a divorce, your family of origin, you'll find yourself more susceptible to getting mold, to getting activation of a previous line, getting activation of a strep. When everybody else in your environment, they're not bothered by it, but oh no, you are. Never had a problem before, now you do. In psychiatry, we ask the question, why now? Why now? It's not necessarily bothering you. I mean, it's not necessarily blaming you. It's saying symbolically, why is this happening now? You have to see that it's interesting that at the same time, my entire spine got ripped apart and had to be rebuilt. The whole base same thing as a spine, the whole base of my house has to be ripped apart and rebuilt. So now I, here I sit, and it's traumatizing. I have to take all, it's the same thing as getting your body rebuilt. Take all the furniture out, all the clothes out, and I have to have someone come up here like a surgeon. I have to have a hire a surgeon to pull out the rug. So... It's important to understand that you don't micromanage what's associated with the pain. That you don't get so focused on that bone, that joint, that bug, because you're missing the point. You'll have what I call, when it comes to pain, right church, wrong pew. Because in the end, you'll be a person that this year, last year, you got chronic Lyme. Next year, it will be chronic fatigue, Epstein-Barr. The year after that, it will be chronic COVID. What is the common denominator? You. And what else? Your immune system. You're immunocompromised. Instead of taking, wearing a... Um, well, hermetically sealing your body in your house. I can understand why in COVID you might want to wear a mask or stay in your house if it's that environment. However, if that's what you want to do, you have to see that it's not strengthening your immune system. 
you have to see that there are a variety of things that are making your immune system weaker. And what is your intuition telling you about your sense of safety net? Well, obviously, I don't feel safe and secure in the world because the bottom half of my house is, well, fungus. So second center, lower back, uterus, ovaries, chronic pelvic pain. What about pain there? There are some people who subscribe to the pain of the month club in this region. Whether it's bladder, pelvic pain during uterus, ovaries, um, reproductive events like um, menstrual cycle, men with bladder infections, and so on. They don't just get reproductive pain or sexual pain. They'll then, when that's fixed, it'll move to another pew in the church. They'll get lower back or hip pain. And when they fix that area, it will go somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else because it's roving in that region. You have to ask yourself, what is my life like with money and love, money and love? Because it's well known that relationships, when relationships have problems, people are more likely to have lower back problems. Now, why might this be? Well, we can understand the bladder issue, especially with sex. If someone's not happy, their immune system changes and bacteria may overgrow. Then they have sex with somebody else and that person can be affected. Suffice it to say, if they have a relationship problem and their sex is affected, it can really affect them. If they don't have sex that often and then every once in a while they do have sex, then a woman's more likely to have a bladder infection, especially after menopause. If a person's worried about money and feels demoralized about money or feels put upon carrying burdens, frequently they walk leaning forward. All you have to do is walk around a university or walk around a place where someone is speeding ahead to go somewhere to work, worried, worried, worried. They don't do what I call walking around and having the it will be provided for syndrome. When someone walks with a sense that everything is going to be fine and it will be provided, they tend to walk backward in the second center relaxation mode. And their piriformis muscle, a muscle in their lower back, is relaxed. As a result, it doesn't spasm and clamp down on the sciatic, the lower back plexus, L4, L5, S1. If your sciatic, if your piriformis muscle clamps down on the sciatic plexus, it creates a dull pain and it hurts, lower back pain. You try to use your piriformis muscle to stand up straight when you could be using your psoas muscle 
which is what you use when you lean back, if you're you think someone has your back, they if everything is fine, it will be provided for. But if you're worried about money, if you have to support a lot of people, if you have a lot of obligations, for whatever reason, you lean forward out of stress, and that stress goes into your back, the area of money. So much that research studies suggest that when you work out the relationship issue with money, the back gets better. That's not me. That's not like, oh, I don't know, Puka Puka, um, Akashic Records, Actica. That's a real scientific journal. It's in, um, that's either in um, Heal Your Mind. No, awake. Uh, it's either in Awakening Intuition or the Intuitive Advisor. I can never tell where I put the footnote. Just go to the footnotes and you'll see it. Just go to a second center chapter, any second center chapter in any book I've written, whether it's Awakening Intuition, The Intuitive Advisor, Heal Your Mind, or All is Well. Then, of course, third center, digestion. There are people who, the way that they feel love, the way that they earned opiates, opiates are the universal oxycodone. They make us feel love in a relationship. They make us feel closeness. We are now in an opiate epidemic. There are more people who have overdosed. But there is a long, long, um, long, long method in which people import opiates, not through pills or a back alley. It's through overgiving. When you give and you give and you give to get that person to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, and to earn the love. Every time they say, thank you, I I, I don't know how I do without you. You get a squirt of opiates in your body. It makes you feel wonderful. and makes you feel lovable. But your lovability is based on being needed. And you have to work for it. So your adrenal gland has to release cortisol, and cortisol goes to the nearby pancreas, and it's affecting insulin, and it tends to make you gain weight because love is related to effort, is related to over-effort, is related to um, cortisol and insulin and weight. So despite food restriction, you gain the weight. And where does it go? It goes in your midsection. And where does it go? You tend to get what surgeons say, it's a pejorative term, I'm sorry, it's not mine, it's theirs, fat, 40, and fertile. You tend to get excess estrogen deficient progesterone. The deficient progesterone makes you more likely to get abdominal distension, bloating, and constipation. That's painful. And then the excess estrogen makes in the fat, body fat, makes you more likely to get gallstones. So these people are more likely to get right upper quadrant pain underneath the rib cage. However, ironically, these individuals, often women, go to a doctor and they get their gallbladder taken out. And perhaps the pain's better, maybe. However, 
slowly by sugarly. They do more to earn more love. They do more to earn more love. And guess what? They get right upper quadrant pain. It is fatty liver because they're building fat in their liver. And that's another kind of third center pain. We'll go to line one, Felicia Lopez. I'm Dr. Melissa. How can I be of help? Hi. Um, I've got chronic headaches all the time, and I don't know, like, how to get rid of them. Felicia, I think you're 56. I am so, first of all, Felicia, you have to be very careful because your headaches sound like they're not going to be helped just by aspirin. I see... Um, a stiffness in the small arteries of your body. I see that there's someone in your life who's rigid, difficult to get along with. You're very, very nice. But this person is very hard-headed, very difficult. And they hide their anger behind a shell. Talking to them is like talking to someone, talking to a brick wall. You might as well open up a closet and talk to the hangers. You can't get angry. You do something to medicate the anger, which makes it worse. However, you have problems with your blood vessels that's silent. It is causing the pressure in your head. Who is this person in your life? My daughter. (laughs) And who does she, who is similar, who is she similar to early in your life? Who does she take after? Oh, it depends. Like lately it's been her father. (laughs) And in your life, in your family growing up? I'm sorry, what? In your family growing up, who does she remind you of? In my family? Your, um, her, your ex-husband. Right. Her father. That's who, that's who she's reminding me of right okay, now. Okay, he's an ex, is that correct? Yes. Okay, usually when they say her father, it's usually an ex. I mean, that wasn't intuitive, that's obvious. Right. <laughs> her, your ex-husband. Who does he similar to in your family growing up? Hmm. If you don't see that, I would that, say maybe think... a little bit of my, a little bit maybe of my father, just a little, okay. not a lot. I look at your head. I see pressure in your head area. I wonder if you have hmm. vessels that are stiff. I wonder if you have problems with blood vessel stiffness in your body. A problem with maintaining stable pressure. I look at your neck. I look at your thyroid. I look at your heart. Okay. I hear an extra sound in your heart. I wonder at times whether your heart skips a beat, adds a beat. In the past, I saw excess acid or excess burning where your esophagus and stomach come together. I wonder whether addiction runs in your family, either to alcohol, prescription medicines, but that's better than it used to be. No. Wait a minute. I'll explain. I will explain. I will explain. Okay. <laughs> Can you please tell me your health concerns? My health concern is just uh, my headache. What is your blood pressure? My blood pressure is usually low. What was your mother's health? What was your mother's health like? Health? Yes. Um, it's okay. I mean all right i mean she's 80 80 for the most part she's relatively healthy 
What health problems so does she have? No diabetes. She's had like knee replacement. She's had like uh, bladder problems. So she had a back surgery. Okay. So who around you has smoked? I used to smoke. Thank you. I have no more questions. So this witness, you may step down. <laughs> you understand? And smoking is a. I said you used to. There's someone around you who used to have addiction that's better than it used to be. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? That's yes, an addiction that's better than it used to be. Are you following me? Can you work yes, with me? Yes, I am. Um, yes, I. <laughs> I was giving you credit. God, what is it today? Today is a problem. Everybody's being. Listen. I worry. Blame it on COVID. <laughs> Everybody blames everything on COVID. I worry about your head. And though it looks like your blood pressure is low, there's something about your heart and your headaches that are not aspirin related. Are you following me? Uh-huh. I want you to get I know you're very thrilled with that as much as you were with the addiction that is better than it used to be. How many years did you smoke? Over 20. How long ago did you quit? I don't even remember. It's been over 20 years. I know that. Good. Because my daughter was born when I quit smoking. She's okay. 24. I think it's wonderful. However, you need to go get a stress test, and you need to have them look at these headaches. Are you following me? Because you're just mm-hmm. acting like it's an Advil or a Tylenol allergy. And I think it's a little bit more than that. I want to No, well, I've had, I've had MRIs. I've had all these things. I know. They can't find anything. I understand, so. but that's not necessarily going to show it. I want to thank you for welcoming me to your day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.